I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List podcast, as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock podcast. Here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times. So they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money. Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, Adventures by Disney? They can contact me at themeparksandcruises at gmail.com. I'm Al John Go, podcaster and producer of the Disney List, Skull Rock Podcast, and Dining at Disney. When you're creating content, podcast, webcasting, live streaming, or wanting to step up your video conference calls, you need quality gear and accessories. That's why I use Gator Frameworks in my studio. From professional broadcast boom arms and microphone stands, studio monitor speaker stands, ring light kits, headphone holders, elite furniture studio desks, and acoustic wall treatments, Gator Frameworks has you covered. Gator is the leading brand of cases, stands, and support system solutions for music, pro AV, creative pro, IT, and general utility industries. They have over 1,000 different solutions made from vacuum-formed plastics, rational molded plastics, wood, sewn, and EVA materials. Leveraging their expertise in case design and manufacturing, Gator has a complete OEM division that works with leading companies around the world engineering create custom cases for original equipment manufacturers. For more information, visit Gator Frame works.com product provided in exchange for promotional consideration are you a disney pin trader or collector disney pins blog features the latest weekly pin releases at all disney parks find upcoming disney pin events or show off your pin display in our showcase visit disneypinsblog.com for the latest news on disney pin trading and collecting the staff of sorcerer radio are saddened by the passing of disney legend robin williams this week we remember his contributions to the Disney fans worldwide. Robin Williams was one of the 2009 Disney legends to be inducted at the D23 Expo in Anaheim, California, September 10th of 2009. Listen to his induction, hosted by Tom Bergeron and inducted by Disney CEO Bob Iger. Our final Disney legend recipient for 2009 is a one-of-a-kind superstar, Robin Williams. ABC's Happy Days, Robin Williams appeared on our TV set seemingly from out of nowhere, almost as if he really was from outer space. When ABC's Morgan Mindy arrived on television in 1978, this improvisational comic genius soared to superstardom faster than you can say Nanu or Shazbot. And his catchy catchphrases quickly became part of the pop culture of the late 1970s. Within two weeks of the show's premiere, Robin Williams was hailed as a new star. Little could we have known that he was just getting started. Robin was raised in Chicago and Detroit. A gifted student, he majored in political science at both Marin and Claremont colleges before winning a scholarship to Juilliard in New York City, where he studied with the legendary John Houseman. After Mork and Mindy, Robin went on to do stand-up comedy work, a craft that he has perfected in the following years. He was called a lunar wild man out of Jonathan Winters by way of Lenny Bruce with a touch of Richard Burton thrown in. 
Robinson became one of the country's most important film actors, too, when he starred in Good Morning Vietnam for the Walt Disney Studios in 1987. His performance as United States Air Force Airman Adrian Cronauer was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role. Robin continued to star in an impressive string of Disney films. They included a moving and haunting portrayal of Professor John Keating in Dead Poets Society. And, and the Bernarius voice role as the genie in Aladdin. marvel of vocal calisthenics. Robin also led his vocal talents to a number of Disney theme park attractions, including the Timekeeper at Walt Disney World in the film, the film Back to Neverland, in which he played a lost boy, learning the basics of animation from none other than Walter Cronkite. <laughs> Robin's impressive list of credits and awards are too many to mention, but to name just a few. They include his Golden Globe nomination for Bosco on the Hudson, his Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for the company's Miramax production, Goodwill Hunting, and, and his third Golden Globe for Mrs. Doubtfire. Could have been best actor slash actress in the musical. Soon he'll be appearing again on the live stage. We've been really fortunate to have this uniquely talented and world-renowned actor as part of our Disney family for many years. This November, you'll see Robin Williams give another hilarious performance along with co-star John Travolta in Walt Disney Pictures' new comedy, Old Dogs. And we have just announced another movie in development with Robin called Wedding Band. That's band, B-A-N-N-E-D. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're so happy you could be with us here today. Please welcome Disney legend and accomplishment. Mr. Williams, theater leads 
Unless, of course, you can make truckloads of money making movies. <laughs> and then I got to work with Peter Weir and Dead Poets Society who taught me the value of silence. <laughs> the idea of just being passionate about your work, which is wonderful. And I also, most of all, want to thank all the animators who made Aladdin. Thank you. You really kicked <laughs> kind of push the boundaries of what Disney could do. Thank you. <laughs> By putting Jack Nicholson in a cartoon, you're really going to have kids grow up real quick. <laughs> I mean, and William F. Buckley, just putting him in any cartoon is a frightening concept. <laughs> but for me, uh, it's been a great ride, and uh, it's great to get an award, especially after heart surgery. Great to be alive. But, uh, <laughs> I would like to... Uh, dedicate this award to an amazing friend who did mention that I got to work with Walter Crumford, which him and I in the same room, even Nostradamus would go, New dealer. <laughs> but it was great to be in the same presence of a man like Walter Crumford. I'd like to tell a joke right now in the honor of Walter Crumford. It's a not, not, well, not really a not. I love you in blue. I love you in red. But most of all, I love you in blue. <laughs> Yeah, I cleaned it up for you, Walt. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. It's a great, great honor. Thank you so much. Now I know I'm the master. I don't think you quite realize what you got. You are going to be a force for good and a very important sorcerer. The following is an original production of the Sorcerer Radio Network. WDW Tiki Room, the show about all things Disney. Hey, Michael, me amigo, pay attention, it's showtime. So it is, and what darling people I have sitting under me. With Kristen and Al John. They better start the show rolling. WDW Tiki Room, the show about all things Disney on Sorcerer Radio. We are happy to have our guest in the studio right now, co-author of The Easy Guide to Your First Walt Disney World Visit, the 2014 edition. Please welcome co-author Dave Shute. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for being on the show today. Kristen had turned me on to your book uh, several months ago. And, of course, your website, yourfirstvisit.net. Uh, you just recently uh, you know, put out this book, published the book along with your um, your co-writer Josh Humphrey. It says here, save time, money, and effort with all of your insider tips because you not only are a Disney fan, but you visited the parks a whole heck of a lot. Is that right? Yeah, we visit. Uh, Josh and I have visited a lot and we've stayed a lot. Josh actually lives in Orlando, so he's in the parks a couple of times a week and uh, documents his experiences and recommendations from that at easywdw.com. I go to Disney World probably six to eight times Times a year. Although when I go there next week, that'll be my seventh visit this year. So I'm kind of ahead of schedule this year. And I'm staying in a lot of resorts. I've had more than a hundred different Disney World Resort hotel rooms in my name. Oh Holy my smokes. That's amazing. Uh, we love staying on property. And I know we're going to delve into that.
that because it's something that your book really excels at. But I'm just speaking to you now because I've never spoken to you in person. Of course, you and Kristen have been friends uh, over the interwebs now for for several years. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Hi, Dave. I spot a little Midwestern in your accent. Where are you from originally? You know, I don't know where I'm from. My dad... um... (laughs) What are your parents going to say about that? (laughs) It'll make a little bit more sense when I give you the story. Um, My dad was in the Navy. Right. So I was born in New York City in Queens. Moved out six weeks later. uh, Moved almost every year until I was in the third grade, but all along the East Coast. Then was in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area during my Cub Scout years. Then um, moved to Virginia for high school. Finished high school in London. Went to college in Chicago. Went to graduate school in Virginia. And ended up living in Cleveland, Ohio for the last, oh my God, 20 plus years. Okay, so here's... Well, well, that's a, that's very impressive. But here's the litmus test: How do you say that the the word both? Both. Ah, so he's not he's not he doesn't have that Ohio thing going on. It's more of a Chicago thing. You know, must I, be a. Chicago. I think of it as a Navy thing. I think there's a, a a Navy accent that you pick up as a kid living on military bases. That interesting. That, that's kind of a Midwestern spot. So I think you're dead on, but for different reasons. Whereas Marines, I lived a lot with Marines as a kid as well. They have more of a southern sure. bit to their accent. I wonder I wonder why that's the case. I mean, Jeff Davis had worked for the Navy and so I'm I'm curious for him to maybe shine a light on it. Jeff, you know, if you if you're wanting if you're listening, feel free to chime in on this whole situation. I did a few USO tours myself. Really? And yes, I did. I entertained the troops uh, with my rock band pre and post 9/11. Entertained a lot of Navy and uh, of course a lot of military, but definitely a lot of Navy bases and, and Marine bases. And I think I, I can kind of see that or hear that. I seem to recall that. So it's quite interesting. So growing up in a military family, hopping around from place to place, where did your love of Disney actually take root? Or when did it happen? Well, then we'd go back to those Cub Scout years in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. We would go as a family to all the national parks and all the kind of national natural tourist destinations that were within a thousand miles wherever we lived so Disneyland was on the list and we went to Disneyland right about this is going to tell you how ancient I am right about the time the Haunted Mansion first opened what yeah yeah <laughs> so that was the late 60s and um, then we moved to the East Coast and went to every place within thousand miles which included at that time Disney World so I made it to Disney World for the first time in 1972 when of course it was just the Magic Kingdom and a couple of hotels in the campground and then kind of fast forward to 2000 so now I'm married I've got a couple of sons they're seven and ten and it's time to bring them to Disney World and I, I put the time you know my dad and uh, was a huge fan he and my mom would go every couple of years so they were were our tour guides, but I still spent a fair amount of time researching it myself. And I think that's when I fell in love with it as an adult. As a kid, I just took it for granted. It was like, of course we're going to Disney World because that's where Dad and Mom make us go. And it's really fun and cool, but that's just what we did as a family. As an adult, I just thought found it astonishing. I had worked, um, 
um, both on a PhD in English literature and on an MBA. So I kind of saw Disney World both as an artistic creation, like a poem or a novel, and also as a strategic and operational enterprise, just like I work with um, in my day-to-day job as a strategy consultant. So I just found it fascinating to think about an experience at all levels, just from the plain uh, appreciation of the human construction that was there, the artistry of it, ranging to, so what were they thinking when they priced this hotel and put it in this location instead of putting it in this other location at this other price point? I see. Wow, that's quite quite an interesting um, background, of course. I, I did read that in your About uh, section there of your book. Once again, The Easy Guide to Your First Walt Disney World Visit. It is available right now, and uh, you can pick it up not only from uh, where finer books are being sold, but you can also check out yourfirstvisit.net, uh, where we're talking to author, co-author Dave Shute. Uh, wow, that is uh, that is quite an interesting background. And like I said, the, uh, the, uh, the, the fact that you're able to to you're able to kind of put your PhD and kind of look at Disney from from this standpoint is a is a little bit unique. Um, having said that, why did you end up getting uh, putting this book together to begin with um, and, and making it out you know putting it out there for everyone to digest? Well, I, the the long version and and you can then jump right in and say no, Dave, we don't want the long version. But the long no no you, <laughs> you can give us the long version. It's fine. Well, the long version is the book starts with a website. Um, I started the website a little more than six years ago, and it was um, meant for first-time visitors who to Disney World, so that's part one, and there was no other website, and as far as I'm concerned, there's no other good website that does that, who also may never return, and that's part two. Because if you say that they may never return, planning becomes a much harder task. Because the routine advice of you can't see everything, plan to come back, you know, just relax, uh, doesn't work for people who either can't afford to return or before they go can't say that they will. You know, they may be able to uh, afford to return, but they may be thinking to themselves, but why would I do that when I haven't yet taken the kids to Yosemite or to Paris or to Toledo? So, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, see Lake Erie and all of its greenness. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, yeah, you could go to those different places. They're definitely not Disney, but it yeah. is important to be well-rounded as a, as a kid. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, your Boy Scout, um, your, your Boy Scout days, you're able to learn and, and do a bunch of different things. And I think a part of the entire uh, way that, uh, you know, we grew up, Dave, you, me, and Kristen, is our families did take us out you and bet. were able to explore the different state capitals, perhaps maybe different natural resources that were out there. Um, I know my, my dad ended up uh, putting the family into the family truckster and doing the whole uh, Wally World vacation uh-huh. when we were very young, uh-huh. going to every state capital and going to Walt Disney World and all that. But um, your passion for Disney truly comes out in this book. It's definitely uh, a great book for people to check out, as you said, not just for first-time people, but you know, giving people a reason why to get back. And in fact, later on in this program, we're going to give one of our lucky listeners an opportunity to score your book, The Easy Guide to Your First Walt Disney World Visit. Um, so be on the lookout for that later on in the show. Kristen, you're, you actually uh, you took the time in, to review the book. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the book? And maybe did you have a particular question for, uh, for Dave about what kind of uh, you know, cool tidbits he could find in the book? 
Well, let's see. Not only that, I mean, I'm looking at it now, and I love his cheat sheets, for one. Yeah. Cheat sheets are good. The cheat sheets, that's, um, you know, Josh and I co-wrote this book, and it mostly is from scratch, but we did bring over things from our respective websites that, frankly, were so good that we there was no point to redoing them, and one of those is Josh's cheat sheets. Those are well, spectacular. Well, how did you and Josh actually hook up to put this book together? Well, you know, I've known Josh for a while, and I can't identify how, I can't remember remember how we first connected, but he, um, I know what, what happened is he took me to lunch at Liberty Tree Tavern um, about in 2011 sometime, so it was a number of years ago. And I've, I've followed Josh's website since then and just thought it was terrific. So when Bob McLean of Theme Park Press reached out to me and said, will you do a book for first timers? There is no such book. And I think you do a great job at it. My first thought was, will Josh do this with me? Because he is so talented, has such a rich set of ideas and experiences and thoughts, of, in particular in how to manage the parks on a day-to-day basis, but also on when to go. Uh, dining, Kristen, came almost in entirely from Josh. We have a whole chapter on dining, and he drafted probably 90% of that chapter. So I, wow. So I reached out to him, and um, it turned the book into something very different and very much better than it would have been had it just been based on my site, because it's not now for first-timers who may never return. It's for any first-timers. So it's for first-timers with two-year-olds, for, first, for first-timers who know they can come back three or four times and plan to, and also for first-timers who may never return. So we, we call, cover all of those different types of people over the course of the book. Yeah, that's one of the things that I noticed in the book is it discusses both of those kinds of situations. And I thought that was great because, you know, like you said, there are those first timers who don't plan on returning. You know, they feel like it's, oh, I need to do it once and that's it. And then you have the people who are like, yeah, I'm going to come now and, you know, maybe we'll come in another five years or 10 years, you know, when the kids are a little older or what have you. And it sets up everything for both of those um situations. Yeah, we, we, we worked really hard to try to make it as simple and easy as it could be without simplifying everything out of existence, because it is still a complicated planning task. But we did try to boil it. We, we, you know, I'm looking at the thing, and it's, you know, almost 300 pages, but it's big font. You know, it's... It, <laughs> it's easy to read. It's, it's easy to read, and we tried to give it the most straightforward possible organization. You know, very simple chapters on very simple topics. Where to stay, what to eat, when to go, how to spend your time in the parks. Well, I do like the way it is organized indeed. And once again, we're talking to Dave Shute, co-author of The Easy Guide to Your First Walt Disney World Visit, yourfirstvisit.net. Also, uh, his uh, writing partner, Josh Humphrey. You can find his website, easywdw.com. I'm sure he'll appreciate us giving him a little plug on that as well. Save time, money, and effort with all of their info in big font, which is good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> very easy to read indeed. Now, Now, Kristen, being the foodie that you are, uh, we're we're going to talk to Dave about some of his favorite things, including Disney restaurants. But there is something in here we did touch on, which is the resorts. Um, a lot of people ask, you know, what are you know what are the great resorts to stay at? Should I or should I not stay on property? What are some of the pros and cons? In maybe a couple quick um, uh, bullet points, uh, Dave, what are some of your uh, places? Some of the places you'd recommend and why? 
I would recommend at the Value Resorts, Pop Century, and Art of Animation. They are um, more fun and more convenient than the All-Stars. At the Moderates, uh, Port Orleans French Quarter, because it's so compact and easy to get around compared to the rest of them. And Caribbean Beach, because it's so much fun for kids. It's so colorful, so beach-filled, so pirate and Disney-themed. And then among the Deluxes, the Polynesian after the pool construction is over. So after after March, uh, Wilderness Lodge, Grand Floridian, Contemporary. Um, for first-timers, visits tend to be centered on the Magic Kingdom, so the Epcot resorts come in a little second um, from a first-timer's point of view. But if, if you have older kids and you know you're going to spend a lot of time at Epcot and Hollywood Studios compared to Magic Kingdom, then you put the Beach Club on that list, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, Kristen, as, uh, from your perspective as a travel agent, that pretty much um, goes uh, in you know in format with what you usually tell guests. Is that correct? Yeah, it does. I mean, it also depends on, you know, I have to factor in somebody's budget as well. Yeah. You know, like the contemporary is pretty yeah. pricey, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know? So, it, actually, all the resorts around uh, the monorail loop are pretty pricey. Yep. So, that, that always comes into factor. But I absolutely agree about, like, pop century and art of animation for values because they have an excellent location it is so easy to get to all four parks from there Mm -hmm. whereas yeah the all-stars are you know definitely off the beaten path you know kristen i totally agree with you and on my site a little less so in the books um convenience is a really big deal in how i rank resorts i rank them first on kid appeal and then i break ties on convenience but then sometimes i think to myself you know we're talking about the difference between two miles and six miles it's yeah it, it's not it's not like some of these resorts were in tampa <laughs> <laughs> so some people think that just from walking from the end of epcot's parking lot all the way to the gate <laughs> yes, yes yes you do cross several state lines in that process <laughs> the wdw tiki room with Kristen and al john the radio show about everything disney sorcerer radio srsounds.com well it came about when my daughters were very young and i Saturday was always uh, Daddy's Day with the two daughters. So we'd start out and try to go someplace with, you know, different things. And I would take them to the merry-go-round, and I took them different places. And as I'd sit there while they, uh, they rode the merry-go-round, did all these things, sit on a bench, you know, eating peanuts, I felt that there should be something built, some kind of a, an amusement enterprise built where that the parents and the children could uh, have fun together. What's up? It's the most must-see WWE superstar of all time, The Miz. You are listening to right now, Sorcerer Radio, and it is awesome. And don't forget to send me a postcard from the Muppet Studios. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I can't do that, Walter. But, Gary... Because... You're coming with us! <gasps> Book your next Disney vacation with Kristen Hetzel of Magical Journeys Travel. An unconventional agency for the unconventional client, Magical Journeys is dedicated to finding the best pricing for your next magical journey. Wait a minute. I love that idea. Kristen will work hard to save you money and give you the quality of service you deserve. As a well-established agency and an authorized Disney vacation planner, Magical Journeys Travel has many years in the travel industry and dealing with the infamous Disney reservation system. Let Kristen help you plan your next magical journey. Journey. To book travel or for a free quote, please contact Kristen Hetzel at www.magicaljourneystravel.com forward slash Kristen. Follow her on Twitter at Kristen Hetzel. Hey, come on, everybody. Magical Journeys, an authorized Disney vacation planner. 
WDW Tiki Room, the show about all things Disney on Sorcerer Radio. We are happy to have our guest in the studio right now, co-author of the Easy Guide to Your First Walt Disney World Visit, the 2014 edition, Dave Shute. You know, you mentioned um, in your book, one of the very first uh, chapters is uh, why age and height matter. And I think we get this question a lot just from our friends and people that that, uh, interact with us on Sorcerer Radio's Facebook page. What is too early of an age, do you believe, to take your kids to the park? Um, I, I answer that with a question and response of, will you be able to return? Mm-hmm. It, if you can't, then I say wait till they're eight. They, the um, Disney, Walt Disney's original concept was not to build kid rides, just as his concept for his movies was not to build kid movies. It was to build family rides that adults could have as much enjoyment out of as kids could. And that's partly because he knew where the purses were. They were not in the (laughs) control of the kids. They were in the control of the parents. And partly because he himself was so bored watching his kids do things that they loved, but that did nothing for him. So... um, With a few exceptions, Disney World is best appreciated if you've got some uh, basic cognitive skills, the kind of cognitive (laughs) skills that, you know, a a third grader typically has, but a first grader typically doesn't. I see. The flip side is if you can take your kids a bunch of times, and this is how we put it in the book, they will have, and thus you will have, a very different experience when they're four, when they're six, and when they're nine. It's like three completely different vacations. When they're four, they think everything is real. When they're nine, they can appreciate everything. When they're six, they're kind of in between. I see. No, that makes complete sense. You know. or, or you can be like Natalie, who took Spidey when he was three months old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, that child's been to Disney probably more than any other kid that isn't local to Walt Disney World. Well, it's funny yeah. you mention yeah. that because someone did ask us on the Sorcerer Radio Disney Fun Zone Facebook group, you know, is under a year old too young to bring my child? And I said, well, I've seen and, you know, with my own eyes, a bunch of families go with very, very you know, young children. In fact, some of them even newborns. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, well, if you can handle it, you know, and make sure that the the children children's needs are attended to properly, that they're not going to you know roast out there like a raisin in the sun, <laughs> then maybe it'll be a good thing. You know, you just have to you know you have to know your children. You have to know what you want to get out of the vacation because you know chances are you're probably going to get there early and then have to go back to the room right. and take a break and for a few hours and all that stuff. So right. See, and also at eight years old, depending on the child, you might be able to be in the park without going back to the resort at all. You know, the kid can go all day long. Plus, they're at the right height to ride anything. Yep, that's true. Unless unless you're like me, who was, you know, (laughs) the same height as like the kids who were like four years younger than me. (laughs) Everybody's different, Kristen. It's okay. Uh, (laughs) But I was that kid that wanted to ride everything. Of course, growing up in, you know, Akron, Ohio, you know, you got Cedar Point right there. And every roller coaster, you have to be a, a good height so you don't fall out of it. Yeah. So I was always a kid every summer. I was like, am I tall enough yet? Am I tall enough yet? Oh, that's so cute. 
<laughs> one thing I love about the book, Dave, it, it, not one thing, there's many things I love about the book, okay? But this chapter in particular, um, When to Go, another question we get asked all the time, you know, and what I love about your book is you really break it down to the really meat and potatoes p- parts f- uh, for people to plan their trip to Disney. It doesn't have a bunch of convoluted graphs and, you know, convoluted numbers and stuff like that. Um, you know, when is when is a good time to really go to the park um, and, and how are you able to kind of discern that? Yeah, the well, you know, if you can do it, you go when um, crowds and thus weights are lower. You know, that that's the first thing to think about. The second thing to think about is prices. Then after that, if you're a first timer who may never return, you're going to be a little bit skeptical about the peak of the hurricane season and the period in January and early February when rides are commonly closed, especially Splash Mountain. So, you know, the the way I filter all of that is to get to a bunch of recommended weeks that are can be found in pretty much every month of the year except for January and um, June through September. Josh um, add, adds the thought that if you're not worried about returning, that September and January after President's Day are really great times to go. So that adds back those two months. So we can give you a great week in our book for pretty much every month of the year except for June through August. And if, <laughs> and if, for example, you're a school teacher and those are the only times you can go, then the answer is, as you guys know fully well, it's go as early in June or as late in August as you can make it work. Right, absolutely. We have nothing. Uh, we have nothing to say about July. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, one of the worst months to to go because the parks tend to be so packed right. with people. Right. It tends to be so hot. Right. And unless unless a tropical storm has come through. Yes. Uh, well. And then it's awesome because right. the weather is cooler than it is, say, in Nashville. Right. Um, and everybody wants to go back to the rooms because it's pouring down rain, right. and then it's like a free for all. You're like. Like, oh, everything's walk on. Right, you tend to you <laughs> tend to roll the dice for sure. Another really cool chapter in your book is um, the new innovations in the parks. And since you've been there from from day one. You know, you've, we've seen the parks get plus, attractions change, they shift around. As Walt Disney says, you know, the, the parks are never are, are never going to be complacent. They're always going to be growing, adding new attractions all the time. And you have something dedicated to Fast Pass Plus, you know, my Disney experience. Um, how has that changed how people can plan uh, their first visit to the parks? In your opinion, I, I think that for first-time visitors, it's just unalloyed terrific. The because um, what it lets you do. Well, first of all, let me step back. If you're the, the the beauty and the bad thing about Fast Pass Plus is that you both can and should book your rides sixty days in advance. Um, for repeat visitors who are used to doing Disney World on a certain day and who who are used to the old model of picking their parks that day and then going there and picking up their Fast Pass Plus, that's a major pain. But for first-timers who ought to have picked their parks well before that anyway so that they could do their dining, they already know where they're going to be each day if they are planning it right, and they know that 180 days before, or not 60 days before. So what FastPass Plus lets them do in the simplest case is um, still show up early, still get on some great rides early before the crowds build, but then also get on great rides in the afternoon at times that they know ahead of time are going to be good and valid, rather than having to rush around and worry about whether there's still any paper fast passes left or whether the wait time 
times, the, or the return times for the paper fast classes are going to be convenient for the plans they have that day, or if they're going to make them stay in the park till 8 when they'd really plan to be over at the Wilderness Lodge and eating uh, dinner there that night. So <laughs> I, I am totally keen on Fast Pass Plus for first-timers. For me, as a repeat visitor, it means that other than when I'm testing one of my itineraries, I never have to get up early anymore, and I really like that. I absolutely agree with that because before, if you wanted to ride Toy Story Mania, uh, you had to be there at Park Open. Otherwise, I mean, they were all gone within an hour. And even if you got there like 30 minutes late, good luck not getting one for like 7 o'clock at night. Yep, yep. I'm totally with you, Kristen. Absolutely. Uh, let's not forget, everybody, we're speaking to Dave Shute, co-author, along with his uh, friend Josh Humphrey, of the easy guide to your first Walt Disney, or your first visit, um, Walt Disney World visit. Gosh, I'm just butchering your name here <laughs> in the book. The easy guide to your first Walt Disney World visit. And we are going to give people an opportunity right now to win the book. All they have to do is call the WDW Tiki Room hotline at 850-888-TIKI. 850-888-TIKI. We're going to choose someone by random on... All you have to do is call that number, leave us a voicemail, and let us know when your first visit was to Walt Disney World and what your favorite attraction is, which leads us to our great section, which is our Walt Disney World lightning round. And we're here with Dave, and you're going to tell us all about your favorite stuff in the quickest possible time. We don't have to, uh, you know, have any long answers. You just, whatever first comes out of your, your, your mouth is what it is. And, uh, you know. We don't want to take a break real quick and then come back? Oh, yeah, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, let's, let's do do that. take a break. Let's do that. Let's take a break. You go ahead and call uh, the hotline right now. And you let us know exactly when your first visit was, and you'll win the book uh, uh, from Random once again. Eight five zero eight 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 Tiki eight five zero eight eight Tiki to win the uh, the book, the easy guide to your first Walt Disney World visit. You see, I didn't butcher it that time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with more from Dave and the lightning round of questions when we come back right here on WDW Tiki Room, the show about all things Disney on Sorcerer Radio SRSounds.com. Sorcerer Radio SRSounds.com. Leave your show comments, requests, and discussion topics on the new WDW Tiki Room voicemail. Call 850-888-TIKI. That's 850-888-8454. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at WDW Tiki. So uh, now, Dave, we're into the lightning round where you can talk about... This is my favorite part. I love Uh, the lightning round. uh, There are so many questions and and so little time. So within 60 seconds, we're going to shoot off some questions and whatever comes to your mind, comes to your mind of your favorite Disney things. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Dave. Here we go. First question. What is your favorite Disney attraction? Splash Mountain. Favorite Disney park? Magic Kingdom. Favorite Disney character? Mickey. Favorite Disney resort? Wilderness Lodge. Your favorite Disney film? Beauty and the Beast. Yes. <laughs> favorite <laughs> favorite uh, table service restaurant? Victorian Albert. Your favorite Disney snack? Oh, uh, the um, I can't think of their name, but it's the Frozen Mickey Bars. Okay. Favorite Disney show? Like, like, you know, that's in the parks. Um, show with, like, people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, well, if you count Fantasmic, I would say Fantasmic. Okay. Okay. Favorite fireworks show? Wishes. Oh, gosh. Uh, favorite Disney transportation? I, I'm, I think the, the um, ferry boats from uh, ferry TTC boat. to the Magic Kingdom and back. All right. Favorite Marvel hero? Thor. Nice. Oh, I like Thor. <laughs> we got, we got ten favorite more. favorite Star Wars character. Princess Leia. Ooh, well, get, well uh, there's a reason for there that. There is a reason for that. Favorite Star Wars film. Uh, the first one. Favorite oh. Pixar movie. Toy Story. 
Well, I think that just about wraps it up. Oh my goodness, we, that was a that was like the rapid fire of all rapid mm-hmm. fires of all time. No, I man. think that's the fastest we've done. That's that. the fastest. Uh, you are a winner, Dave, in so many <laughs> different ways. Not only do you have a great book, but of course, great Disney sensibilities as well. From a true fan, uh, visit the website at yourfirstvisit.net. Of course, the book right now available at Amazon. The first, the easy guide to your first Walt Disney World visit. Um, Dave, any closing words for people? Because one thing. Uh, Another thing I like about the book, I always say there's one thing, but there's many things I love about the book, is the fact that it is a, a great resource, not just for first timers, but as you said, people that haven't been to the parks for a while, that you know don't realize the parks have grown and changed so much with the new technology. If you were to leave someone that had had not been to the park in many, many years, what is a, a piece of advice that you would be able to give them the, uh, to enjoy and to maximize their trip? The most important piece of advice for anyone now going to Disney World is to plan your parks more than 60 days in advance so that you can pick your FastPass Plus as soon as you're eligible for them. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dave. Um, Once again, the book makes it a lot of fun to plan your vacation if you and your family can get around, gather around, and kind of talk about different sections of the book. I definitely suggest that you do so. And of course, uh, make it a point to follow yourfirstvisit.net on Facebook and of course, uh, Google. Um, Definitely do that. There's so many great tidbits. And of course, a shout out in Twitter as well. And a shout out to your writing partner, Josh Humphrey, as well at EasyW www.com both great resources for you our source of radio listeners and congratulations to our fan who li- who listened and called the number uh we'll be getting out that book to you as soon as possible and uh dave once again where can people find you and the book on the internet they can find me at yourfirstvisit.net and they can find the book on amazon.com and thank you guys so much for having me on the show it's been a lot of fun Absolutely. And uh, don't forget, review that book, too, on Amazon. Get uh, Dave some really good positive uh, feedback on the book. And we look forward to having you back really soon. And maybe next time you can bring Josh aboard and maybe we can grill him like we did you. That sounds sounds like a great idea. Okay, so you had something you you wanted to mention real quick? Yeah, Josh and I will actually be signing copies of the book at uh, Disney World on Saturday, August 16th, and Sunday, August 17th. We're going to be at Epcot. On the 16th at about 2 p.m. at the American Pavilion, right outside where there's the little tables. And on Sunday, the 17th, we'll be at the Magic Kingdom at about 5 p.m. at the Tomorrowland Terrace. Okay. So we won't have so, any books for sale, but we'll sign anything that people bring to us, whether it's a book or a small child. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They've got your little uh, character autograph books too. Exactly. So exactly. you could, you know, along with <laughs> along with way. Anna and Elsa from Frozen, uh, the Frozen Summer Fun. No, you can Belle. Get- Bell and Beast. Bell and Beast. Bell and Beast. You could also have uh, Dave and Josh sign your book as well. Oh my gosh! You know that's going to skyrocket right there. Your your signatures are going to be worth so much now. We think, uh, especially alongside you know uh, Disney Park standouts like Bell and Beast and Anna and Elsa right now. <gasps> not Anna and Elsa. <laughs> no, Frozen. I'm sorry, Frozen. Not the best Disney movie. Beauty and the Beast. Still Beauty the and best. the Beast. Okay. It's okay. After over two hundred 
hundred times I've watched this movie, it is still the best Disney movie. Okay, let's, let's oh, have yeah. Dave chime in on this, Wait, okay? What are your thoughts on Frozen? Let me come back to that. At, at first, the, we're going to be at Epcot on Saturday at 2 p.m. Okay. And we're going to okay. be by the uh, American Pavilion. Right outside. America. America, yep. Right outside <laughs> by the Liberty Inn. And on, we're going to be at um, Magic Kingdom on Sunday at 5 p.m. Okay. And we'll be in the Tomorrowland Terrace. Okay. So, All right. So, Kristen, have you yes. ever seen the version of Beauty of the Beast that was done for, I think, the New York film critics that combined wireframes, single cells, uh, partially animated and fully animated? No, I have not. It will knock your socks off. So you should definitely... I, I have it on Laserdisc, so of course there's no Laserdisc that work anymore. Um, I, but So I don't know if it's available on DVD, but I'll, I'll check it out. I'll find it. <laughs> it's very cool. It's If, if you um, both like the movie and like learning about the process of animation, it's just a very cool version of that movie to see. Oh, yeah, then I have to see that. Yeah. But and, you see now, the, the big the big, uh, the big hubbaloo now is the fact that Frozen is the number one animated film of all time. Yeah. Is it deserving of it, uh, of, of being the number one Disney story ever told? Because if you measure it by the box office, people would say, well, it would have to be. However, I don't believe that to be true. Do you believe it to be true? Well, first of all, you have to deflate the box office into real numbers because that right. it, it, it's never done when people show that. So if, right. if um, I think if you did that, it would not be the number one of all time. On the other hand, it is a phenomenon. I mean, kids love it, and they love it again and again and again, and my wife loves it, and my sister loves it, and I like it a lot. But I think, Kristen, it's a little unseemly to be having these princess fights. There's surely enough room for Frozen and for Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> that is the most politically correct answer yet. He, he, he told I us about, he told us about it. it without... I just think it's it's been over, like, it's just, I was so expecting more, even though I was trying to go into it thinking it's not going to be all that everybody made of it. Right. And it's a cute movie, but yeah, it's been over, like, over, I don't know, over, exposed. over It's like overhyped. I had all these people, oh my God, it's the best Disney movie ever. Yeah. And I watched it like two weeks ago for the first time and was like, no, no. Yeah. Beauty and Beast still better. Well, hey, look, Lion King. Hey. I, you know, I liked Lion King. I am a lot, you know what? I is In terms of Disney films, overall, there are two that stand out as the greatest Disney works ever. And they're not Pixar films, in my opinion. They are, they will be Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King. Sorry, you know? I break off, though, Pixar is something different. I don't put Pixar in with Disney. You don't Disney. put Pixar in because, I mean, Up is a good third for me. I love Ratatouille. And Ra- so. I know you love Ratatouille. Dave, how about you? Because I know, you know, we touched on this in the lightning round a little bit. Uh, to- Toy Story is going to be the Pixar choice for me. And, and uh. you know, it, it's, <laughs> I don't know you're, if you guys have kids who have, are as old as my kids. It, <laughs> no kid, no kids here yeah. in, in the go, go house. <laughs> no, I, 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 even though uh, Natalie's son's not my actual nephew, I claim him claim yep. my nephew. Uh, okay, well, I guess he's, <laughs> he's my nephew. Because I quite a bit, I spend quite a bit with with him, you know, every year, at least one trip with her and Spidey Andy to Disney, Christian. so. And, and how, yeah. old, how old is he? He's eight. Yeah, see, that you have to live through the kids to, to see them abandon the things that they loved the day before to oh. to really get the poignance of Toy Story. But I'm yeah, not, again, there's, there's, there's room for all these movies. I'm not that keen on Lion King. I, 
think it's got some real fundamental narrative flaws. Yeah. That um it it that it doesn't know what story it's trying to tell. Is it the story sure. of someone growing up, which is really at the heart what that story is? Right. Or or is it a story of a battle with bad guys? Right. 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 So I'd actually right. No, I, I totally under, I totally understand that. I, yeah. I'd put yeah. Aladdin ahead of uh, Lion King. Well, well, Plus, well. Jasmine is pretty hot. Well, <laughs> you can't you can't really beat that. And of course, uh, some of our animator friends would have to agree with you because uh, they're very close to that project Tom get Bancroft. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, he's, yeah, well, I'm sure Tom is going to chime in on that at some point. Uh, any project he works on will be his favorite. So, uh, well, thank you so very much for that. And hopefully we'll see everybody at the parks and uh, definitely good luck with the book, Dave. Thank and you. we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you guys. Hey, look, I'm a cartoon. Oh! <laughs> hey, Walt. Just how far can you go with this? You can do anything that he can draw. Hey, animator, what do you say we have some fun, huh? Hey, all right. Let's go. <laughs> I can be anything. I can be just a tiny person. Or uh, make my eyes really big. Or maybe have legs that are real long. I can even be you, Walter Cronkite. Now hold on there. Can I do this? I'm happy. I'm grumpy. I'm dopey. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm a corporate symbol. Hold it, hold it. Whoa. Are you fellas finished? <sighs> I always wanted to do that. Next, each hand-drawn image is scanned into the computer. And you're ready for color. The colors that feel right for your character are added at the digital paint station. You know what I think? Yellow, to me, doesn't say spring. I'd like something in a puce, a salmon. Hey, 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 hey. Fine. Do whatever you want. <laughs> and there you are. All right. Now can we go to Neverland? Can we, Uncle Walter? Huh? Huh? Maybe, please? Huh? We're almost there. The layout artists are drawing the sets for you now. These skilled artists create the fantasy world in which you will act. Whoa. Nice boat, dude. The background artists help establish the mood of the scene by painting it with appropriate colors. Makes me feel like singing. A pirate's life is a wonderful life, a rover over the sea. Of course, this is a much more appropriate mood for your scene. It gives the proper air of foreboding. For what? Hey, this is the part where Captain Hook shows up, right? <laughs> and there's a crocodile, right? Whoa! <laughs> what am I doing here? See you later, Walter! Oh, come now, Robin. <laughs> You're headed the wrong way. Walter, put me down. Oh, 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 put me down, Walter. In the next step, the hand-painted background is brought into the computer where all the elements of story, character, acting, and mood are assembled to create the final scene. Walter, here's a little crazy idea of mine. What do you think? Let's lose the part with the crocodile! Oh! Walter, please! It all begins to feel pretty convincing by the time it reaches this stage, doesn't it? Walter? What's that, Walter? Music and sound effects complete the feeling of reality. Walter, all that moon stuff really works, Walter. This is really creepy. Well, well, one of Peter Pan's little lost boys. No, wait, Hook! I can explain! I didn't want to bother you, see? There was Walter Cronkite, and storyboards, and animators. 
Please, please. I throw myself at your good leg and beg for mercy. Where is Peter Pan hiding? I'm drawing a big blank on that too, man. Listen, you're a drawing, I'm a drawing. Let's lighten up here, man. No, no, you don't want to eat me. You know, you are very, very rough on your skin here. I think you need something as a conditioner. Whoa! Tinker, Tinker, Tinkerbell. Yeah, Pixie, that's douse me, babe. That's it. <laughs> Blast that Tinkerbell. Hey, time to play that exciting new game show. You bet your hook. That's right. Our contestant is a pirate. He's also a villain. Let's welcome him, please. Captain Hook. Hi, nice to have you on the show. Nice hat. Hey, you know, you're not wearing one. I'm kidding. Here we go. Here's our guest. It's time to play the big $20,000 question. What has four legs, a voracious appetite, and is right behind you? Uh, time's up. It's a crocodile. Come on down. Ah! <laughs> hey, Tink, slip me some wings. Bow! Robin, I think you've got the general idea. It's time to come back now. Oh, but I just got here. Now, Robin, we don't want to miss the rest of the tour. Oh, yeah. That's right, but I didn't get to meet Peter or Wendy or anybody in Walter. I beat Captain Hook, and I was flying, Walter. Oh, boy, Walter. Come on, Robin. What are you hanging around for? Let's go have some fun. Look, Walter, you finish up with the tour. I'll catch up with the next group, okay? Now, Robin. Hey, wait for me, Peter! And that's the way it is. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed your journey back to Neverland, and you would, if you would, exit to your left. Your left is this side. Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, Al John Goh and Dave Bossert. Do you just love to learn more about the magic that embodies animated films, theme park attractions, and more? The all-encompassing universe created and produced by the genius of Walt Disney has spanned nearly 100 years in counting. From his earliest film endeavors with the Laughagram cartoons and the Alice comedies, to the creation of Mickey Mouse, to the first animated feature film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and then dreaming up Disneyland, Walt Disney continuously raised the creative bar, and today his company has carried on that tradition as a global entertainment juggernaut. I'm Dave Bossert, artist, filmmaker, and author. And I'm Al John Go, musician, podcaster, and radio guy. Every week, Dave and I will explore the entertainment galaxy that is Disney with insightful conversation, stories, and special guests talking all things Disney. Listen to never-before-heard stories and behind-the-scenes moments from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, and so much more from knowledgeable, insightful, and thought-provoking hosts and guests. Hear the latest news about Disney past, present, and future. Skull Rock Podcast is your go-to source for the magic we all love. 
Skull Rock Podcast, visit skullrockpodcast.com.